This is the Mormon Mixed Faith Marriage Podcast with Certified Life Coach Brooke Booth, episode number 57. So in this episode, I am going to answer a question that was sent to me. I'm going to read you the question first. It's long, so sit tight. Here is the question I received. I don't know if you've explored this for us in one of your previous posts or podcasts already. So you can point me there if so, but I thought I'd reach out because I'm having a bit of internal internal turmoil regarding raising kids in a mixed faith marriage. My husband, the practicing member who is understanding and supportive of my process, and our one son, our youngest, are still attending, while two of my older teens and I no longer attend church. I'm a little concerned about the messaging that my almost 13-year-old is getting in his classes and lessons at church. For example, they have a lesson this Sunday about how Elijah predicted the destruction of Babylon and how that relates to prophecies and how the wicked will be destroyed again. First, it is so hard for me to not talk about Deutero-Isaiah and that most scholars feel that those things were written after Babylon was already destroyed. The other thing that I feel I felt comfortable asking while being respectful of my husband and his journey was, how does that make you feel? And he said, it's important to not be wicked and sin so we aren't destroyed. Those people must have been scared. So this is not a great message, especially for a sensitive kid who is not ever going to be perfect and who is watching our family go th- go in different faith direction in parentheses my shelf breaker was harmful rhetoric like this causing one of our now young adult children to go through mental health and identity crisis so i recognize this is extra triggering for me how do i address this while respecting the faith journey of my husband and son Our stake standards night is coming up and there's a chance our son won't go. There's a chance he will. And it's scary to me for him to hear things that weigh heavy on him and spark a guilt slash shame spiral. I would love some guidance on how to talk about some of the things that concern me. Issues with the historicity of it all, as well as the potential for harmful messages that come from some of these teachings. Okay, there's a lot here. And I might address not all of it in this podcast, but I'm going to address some of it. Specifically around parenting and shame. Like when I read this, that's that's a thread I pull out of this and a, and a significant thread is parenting and shame. How to parent without shaming our kids. What to do if the other parent is not worried about the impact of shame on a kid, especially a sensitive kid. But let's pause. And before we dig into that, let's just talk about shame and parenting for a minute. So shame is an emotion. This means it's caused by our thoughts, the stories we tell ourselves, our belief systems. Now, some kids will think thoughts that create shame regardless of what we teach them, and some will not regardless of what we teach them. Whether your kid feels shame is not something you can control. I'm going to repeat that. Whether your kid feels shame is not something you can control. 
in any circumstances, whether that's standards night, a young men's lesson, interview with the bishop, the first strength of youth pamphlet, the new first strength of youth pamphlet, any circumstance, they get to make their own meaning and they get to feel whatever that meaning creates for them. Some kids feel love and supported. Some feel inadequate and shame. Sometimes a kid feels love and supported. Sometimes they feel shame. It's a complete mixed bag. First, I want you to consider that you are not in charge of what meaning they give the lessons and messages they hear and the emotions those thoughts cause. Now, with that said, I know you have no doubt you are aware of your influence. And while you cannot dictate their thoughts and feelings, there is a level of influence where you can introduce certain thoughts that can help facilitate certain emotions. And I think as parents, it's important we take, you know, this influence with a high level of care, but not go so far that we ignore their choice and their agency in their lives and creating their own thoughts and their own feelings. So let's talk about how to talk to and teach kids to minimize shame, knowing it's not something we can't control, only influence. How to deal with partners who do not feel like they're causing shame, even when you think they are. And how to deal with lessons they receive that may cause them to think thoughts that cause shame. Let's talk about these things. Okay, one, how to teach kids in a way that minimizes shame. Shame means I am wrong versus I did something wrong. So shame is where we internalize it in such a way where we become wrong. I'm wrong. I'm bad. I'm a piece of garbage. I'm a mess up. This is what shame is. So when considering shame, I want to ask you this question. What's the culture in your family around this? Is the culture in your family where things are often phrased and taught as, you know, if there's something not wanted that you're wrong, you're a mistake, you're a mess up? Or is the culture more generally around that thing is wrong, but you're still an amazing person, an amazing kid, a valuable, worthwhile kid? And here's a way to look at like to have a little window into what is the culture in your family. Do you as a parent own your mistakes, apologize, and model repair attempts for your kids? I think this goes a long way to help our kids, you know, mitigate their shame. And when the culture, when I say culture, I mean, I'm just talking about the relationship between you and your kid. We don't even need to look at what the other parent is doing here. What's the culture between you and your child? That's that's the microcosm I want you to look at. So when the culture is you can't make mistakes, that can look like when a parent makes a mistake, they don't own them. Basically, making mistakes is taboo. This is a form of perfection. And perfection is paramount when there's little room for imperfection. 
This often makes it easier to think thoughts that generate shame. So I love apologizing to my kids. I used to never do this. I used to think I was supposed to model perfection for them and never own my imperfections, but I love doing it now. And I do it all the time because I'm imperfect very frequently. And I like to think while I'm doing this, I'm teaching them I am not perfect. I own my errors and I'm sorry for them and I try to fix them. And I teach them how to make repair attempts so they can hear and understand that I'm not perfect and that's okay. So they don't need to be perfect and that's okay too. I want you to consider that the efforts you make in showing your imperfections and owning them and doing repair attempts is highly valuable. In fact, just as valuable for kids as your spot on perfect parenting. Because they learn how to make repair attempts. They learn that when we do mess up, it doesn't mean we're a mess up. It just means we need to go in and apologize and fix things. You know, like I said earlier, they learn mom slash dad is not perfect and that's okay. So if they're not perfect, that might be okay too. And I think that's an extremely valuable lesson. You know, in my early years of parenting, I thought I needed to show perfection to them and model perfection, but the irony is I wasn't perfect. And so we were ignoring that and, and I was telling them, you know, like you have to be perfect. You need to be perfect but that's not possible. And if they grow up thinking I'm not perfect, therefore I'm wrong, that's shame. That's shame. There's so much more to talk about here, but that's just one idea to consider and chew on. Shame is a big topic and I don't want to inundate you with a thousand things. I'm just going to give you one idea to really consider and evaluate. Okay, let's move on to how to deal with partners who do not feel they're causing shame when you think they might be, which is actually very similar to how to deal with lessons they receive that may cause them to think thoughts that cause shame. Because really the fear is they're going to hear something at church, you know, in a young men's lesson, in a fireside, in a standards night, that's, that's going to spin them into shame. No different than they're going to hear something from my spouse, you know, a teaching, a lesson, a comment from my spouse that will spin them into shame. So let's talk about how to, you know, how to deal with that. You know this, but I want to bring it to your attention here. Your kids will always be subject to ideas and concepts and teachings that you may not 100% approve of. They may experience ideas and teachings that make it easy for them to feel shame. You cannot stop that 100% of the time. And what I want to suggest, you may not even want to stop that and that it may not need to be a problem. And here's why. Now, this is just my belief. This is something that helps me show up in my parenting. So take it or leave it. But our kids in our homes are here in this place, you know, as kids growing up in a space, in an environment where we can help them figure out life and gain some life skills. And they don't have to never experience disappointment or challenges or ideas that may be confusing or disempowering. 
Like they're here to learn how to make life choices, to develop skills and to really learn how to do things. So if I eliminate all experiences that create disappointment or challenges, or I eliminate all messages that may be confusing, disempowering and or have the possibility to create shame, I think that's doing my children a disservice. I like to think about raising kids as a practice. They get a practice in the safety of our home with mom and dad here to help guide them. They get a practice doing hard things, stretching and growing, making decisions, thinking critically about teachings they hear and concepts taught to them so they can decide what works for them and what does not. So if I never, if my kids never had the experiences to hear hard things, to hear confusing things, to sort through things mentally, to hear messages that were challenging or that created, possibly could create shame, this home, this environment as children is for them to learn how to sort through, deal with, and manage those things now while they have the safety of this home instead of later if they don't have those skills. Just throwing them out there and saying, okay, now you're gonna, there's going to be shame. Good thing you never felt it here. So you didn't have to feel that bad feeling, but now they don't have the skills to deal with it when they're adults. So I'll say this again. I like to think of the home as a chance for them to develop skills while I'm here really close to help offer ideas and pointers and and concepts, but not to eliminate any negative or what I would consider negative ideas being taught to them, but where I can help them deal with managing those things and give them ideas and tools on how to think about those things and how to think critically and how to parse through and work through those things. I want them to develop the skills they'll need as an adult. And I know that if I eliminate any of the challenges now, any of the messages now, even from my spouse, that that's going to stymie their ability. So I like my kids to have opportunities to fail and to be confronted with challenging things so that they have those skills developed when they are an adult. Because otherwise it's going to be a rough few decades until they develop those skills. I want my kids to be exposed to many ideas, many concepts, many ideologies so they can learn how to sort through things, make their own decisions and see what works for them. All while I'm close to help answer any questions or help them formulate questions and approaches as they develop their own critical thinking skills. Let me give you an example. My spouse and I have very different political persuasions. Probably not a surprise to you if you've been listening to this podcast. My second daughter, Sage, she was on the podcast a few episodes ago. She loves, loves, loves talking about policy and politics. And my husband shares his point of view often with her. And I share mine from time to time. Is this a problem for her? You know, to hear different viewpoints, different opposing viewpoints. Is it confusing? Maybe, maybe it is. But I like to believe it also teaches her to think independently and to consider varying viewpoints. And I think this is highly valuable. It helps her sort through ideas and concepts and come to her own conclusions. 
very valuable skills. So regarding shame, it can be a great opportunity to help our kids think through concepts and teaching and messages they get from our spouse, they get from church, they get from friends, they get from school. And we can talk them through how to critically think about different points of view and how to consider different points of view. So for instance, lots of teaching around sex, masturbation, porn, right? This is an issue where I'm sure they get all sorts of different viewpoints and ideas. So I like to teach them how how to ask questions. You know, what might, why might it be okay? Why might it be harmful? Why might you want to have it in your life? Why might you not want to have it in your life? To really ask questions so when they do come to a conclusion, it's something they can really own and have their back on. So like, for instance, with sex, masturbation, and porn, you know, here are some ideas. I have had child. Here are ideas that they're presenting in that lesson. Here are ideas dad has. I've heard these other ideas. You know, here are all sorts of different ideas people have on this topic. You can see there are many approaches and many opinions. What do you think? Why do you think that? Do you like your reasons for thinking that? I think these skills are so valuable. It's like teaching them how to fish instead of just giving them a fish. I think that's a lot of what the the service we can do as parents here is we can say, don't do that and do this. But that's basically giving them a fish. Or we can teach them, here are so many different ideas on this topic you know, of masturbation and porn. Here's one and here's one and here's mine and here's dad's and here's churches and here's what they taught at Standard tonight. There's many ideas, many opinions. What do you think? How do you want to come to a conclusion here? What are some ideas and tools and questions to ask for you to come to your own conclusion? That's teaching them how to fish. And I think that's extremely valuable. I think that these lessons that they get in Standards Night or Young Men's or wherever or from our spouse are an opportunity to talk to our kids about hard things. Oftentimes, this is the truth for me. This is probably the truth for you. I put off having those conversations. I find it easy to put them off and avoid. And frankly, when they have the lesson in Young Men's or the spouse says something, it helps me to show up as a parent. And that, that's something I'm grateful for. Parenting asks so much of us. A mixed faith marriage can demand more of us in the parenting realm. And I think that can be a good thing. It can invite us to develop skills and approaches and keep trying things that otherwise we would not have bothered to cultivate in the parenting realm. It can encourage us to have the conversations we would put off. Yeah, it's work, but it's good to have us stretch and grow more in our parenting. I think in the area of parenting, we could use a lot more innovation and a lot more stretching and growing. All right, I hope you found this helpful person who submitted this question. And I suspect others probably found it helpful too. I know this is a really common question we have as parents in a mixed faith marriage.
I want to point you to a resource I've recently created. I've recently put together a family home evening lesson that you can take parts of or use in its entirety or use bits and pieces to help you talk to your kids about being in a mixed faith family. And I have a little bonus section to help you talk to your spouse about teaching the lesson because I know that can be a point of friction too. So go to my website, brookboothcoaching.com, and you should be able to scroll down on the homepage and see that free family home meeting lesson. Grab it, read through it, get some ideas. Start getting some ideas on how you can show up in your mixed faith marriage and your mixed faith family as the kind of parent you want to be. All right. Wishing you the very, very best.